My name is Matt Brown. It's not you, it's me in this particular situation. I don't want to make any commitments as far as this. If you'd like to do a friends with benefits situation mm-hmm. where we have sexual relations but are not attached, I would be open for that. I will keep the light on for that particular deal, but we are not going to continue <laughs> as a serious potential marriage in the future type couple at this particular moment. And let's start the show. I expect the team to give me, you know, I want a winning season, BT. I've had it. I've had it with this nonsense. And yesterday was the typical crap that we have seen over and over again with this franchise. All right? Mistake after mistake after mistake. First of all, let me say this. The kick by Bullock is on the way. Oh, it's and it is no The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, September 15th, 2022. We have to reflect on this absolutely amazing first week of the NFL season. We have a lot to go through. We're going to break down every single one of the games. Going to talk about the biggest highlights, the biggest headlines, have a lot of laughs, have a lot of debate, have a lot of true emotion go throughout the next hour. Plus, we have a brand new segment to introduce to all of you as we move forward with this NFL season. But before we get into all of that fun and more, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdCavoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Also, check us out on Facebook, YouTube Shorts, and all of that in between. And we'd like to thank our good friend Alex DeJesus, a.k.a. Dola Ren, for producing that content for us. So as I said, the NFL season has officially begun. We had an awesome, absolutely awesome first week of the season. Plenty of upsets, plenty of eye-openers, plenty of awesome moments throughout. And as we continue to rise up in the ranks of the podcasting world, and we have an awesome NFL team in Brian and Alex coming back this week and for many weeks to come throughout the NFL season, I just want to let you all know we have an incredible show ahead where we have our great friends Alex Ranelli and Brian McKean joining us. As we break down every single game from Thursday and Sunday and Monday, we talk about the big headlines coming into the week. We talk about the uh, incredible highlights that took place and all of that and more. Plus, we're introducing to you all a brand new segment. It's called Upsets, Whimpers, and Thrillers. What is that, you ask? You know, Every single show regarding the NFL, college football, high school football, any time we go into a football weekend, people want to give their picks. Whether you're a football podcast, whether you're a sports radio talk show, whether you're a YouTuber or TikToker, we all like to give our picks. And we're no different in that sense, but we want to switch it up a little bit. So the way we're making our picks throughout the NFL season 
we are going to do this. We're going to pick three games off the schedule, no matter if it's Thursday, Sunday, or Monday. And out of those three games, we're going to pick one game that is an upset where we predict the underdog is clearly going to overcome the, the favorite and, you know, all the fan popery popping circumstance regarding that so we're going to pick a game where we expect the underdog to win and complete an upset we're going to pick a whimper where we just don't see this game being interested at all nobody likes a bad football game where we just feel the offense won't show up where we feel the defense won't be dominant and we'll pick a game that ultimately we don't see as exciting in any way shape or form Sure, we'll pick a winner from that, but we just see this matchup as unintriguing. And then the thriller, we pick a matchup, we are excited on both sides of the ball, we're excited for the teams going up against each other, and we just know from the start that this is going to be one hell of a game. So we will debut this segment at the end of the show, upsets, whimpers, and thrillers, and you do not want to miss it, and then go to your sports books and listen to us and... Hopefully we provide you some great memories and definitely some cash along the way. So it's a great show. Thanks again, Brian and Alex, for coming back. Let's talk about week one. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. Oh, my goodness. How was week one, gentlemen? We'll start with that right off the bat. Week one with plenty of upsets, some eye-opening moments, and all the great stuff in between. Week one was awesome. So start with that. Brian McKee and Alex Renelio here, Productive Conversations NFL crew. Just as a whole, before we break down everything and have some fun with it, how would you feel about the first week of the National Football League in 2022? Damn, that shit was wild. Um, a lot of close games, a lot of a lot of things coming down to uh, kicks. So um, we're definitely in for quite a year of uh, competitive football. And and again, I mean, every year we get the first third of the year. All these teams don't know they're good or bad yet. So you're gonna get a lot of competitive games. But this see the season feels a little more special. So let's get let's get it going. Oh yes, oh yes. I know Brian feels the same way, fellow Shavy. Yeah, I agree with uh, Alex completely. Very unexpected. A lot of close games. I think the league may have gotten better defensively over this offseason. It's very possible. Um, I also liked I liked what I saw from a lot of rookies. So I'm, I'm really excited for this season. Let's get it, gentlemen. So as we bring to you the reaction of week one, which is always a huge overreaction, but we're going to add to it, as I mentioned, going as we – do these shows throughout the football season every week and trying new things and all that. We're going to introduce our new segment as well, which I will say for the end, but it's going to be called, as I said, in the cold open upsets, whimpers and thrillers. So you can assume what that is, but, but until then let's break down each and every single game, all the big headlines in between and have some fun with it. So let's start. So, Thanks to our good friend, Dolo Ren, associate producer of this podcast who creates our reels. We have been getting some good fanfare to start it off. So I figure the first game we talk about, the huge game nationally, the Bucks and the Cowboys. Brian, put you on the spot. So I'm going to repeat. I'm going to, when we posted our clip 
of you talking about the Cowboys and what's projected. That clip itself had over 5,000 real views across our social media platform. So thank you for that. And thank you for Dolo. Now, I'm going to with that, with all those numbers, we've had some nice comments from people. And you know how Internet comments are. But to give context and for those who are watching the pod on YouTube, let me show you what uh, may have set some people off. And we'll show some thing. We'll show some reactions to that. So this is Brian last week on deck on Dak Prescott and uh, what he has to do at the beginning of this season and what he has to do to become elite. Dak Prescott, it's time for Dak. Whoops. Let's do that one more time. Here we go. I think Dak Prescott, it's time for Dak Prescott to step up and become a top seven quarterback. I won't say top five yet. I'll give top seven just because some sophomore quarterbacks might just make some crazy jumps this year. A rookie quarterback like Kenny Pickett, if Trubisky does bad, could really, you know, cause some frenzy up in the ranks the way he played in preseason. You know, I think it's time for him to take the jump. He has no excuses anymore. He's been in the league, what, five, six years now? Mm-hmm. I think this might be a sixth season, maybe a seven. It's time to actually show what you got. Amari's gone. All right. So as you said, and what's fair, Dak has to show what he has. And as a result, in the first game we talked about, the Bucks played the Cowboys on Sunday night, resulting in a 19-3 victory. Dak Prescott himself went 14 for 29, only 134 yards, no touchdowns and an interception with a quarterback rating of just 15.3. And as Brian said, he has to step up. And literally most of these comments happen after the game. And we've had people said to Brian, feels like Cowboy fans are less aware than any others. That's what Samuel said. We have Rich said this didn't age well. Will said good call laughing my ass off. And Sean Henderson said, how many thumbs down did this get? And uh, he could go fuck himself because uh, that's not nice to say. But, Brian, it's fair to say that uh, this didn't go as planned for the first week. As we said, week one's a big overreaction. But what do you have to say for this? A uh, viral clip in this sense and uh, some of the disappointing results from Sunday night, which also led to a thumb injury for Dak. So, yeah, like I always understand the cowboy hate because, you know, we were good for a very long time. And then for the last 25 years, we've been mediocre and we've lived off the last, you know, basically the entire beginning, middle three quarters of the NFL lifespan has been really Cowboys, Steelers, 49ers, those three teams. If you could throw the Giants in and the Redskins as well, you basically cover up all the championships. Also, the Raiders can't can't say, all right, six teams. That's basically all the championships you could say in a very long time. And then the 2000s hit and then you have Brady. So my I understand the hate, you know, you know, when your team isn't good for its entire inception um, and literally its lifespan. I get why you should hate on the Cowboys. Um, But here's my thing. Oh, it didn't age well. I can't, you know, Cowboys fan can't control injuries. I can't control the front office. And I think I gave a very fair take. Um, Dak Prescott got paid to be a top five quarterback. He has to play like a top five quarterback. And I said, regardless of any of the issues around the team, such as the injured receiving core with Michael Gallup and James Washington, even with the injured and um, I would say free agent uh, restricted offensive line, just because we just decided to not do anything. And we actually like cut two players. We didn't sign back Connor Williams. Um, 
you know, I mentioned all of this and I said, you know, this is, he's going to have to, you know, overcome it. And what I saw even before the deck injury, he couldn't do it. That's what I saw. I, I'm upset about the injury because my team is definitely not making the playoffs now because our backup is not competent enough, nor is he a qualified starter, starting quarterback in the NFL. No um, love for shame. Cooper Rush, huh? No love for Cooper Rush. I just he's only he's only started one game in his career. I don't trust it. I have to see more. I just don't think he could do it. If Dak couldn't do any good with that offensive line against the Bucks, what could Cooper Rush do? against a very good, formidable front against the Bengals this week. So that's my issue. You know, I also, I was listening to Colin Coward today. Um, Dak Prescott didn't play a single preseason game. Do you know that out of all the preseason, out of all the quarterbacks, right, there was 11 that didn't play in the preseason. They went three and eight in the first week of the NFL. Because there's no chemistry. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Didn't play with his rookie receiving core, and he wants to know why they didn't catch the ball and do well. There's no chemistry. There was no chemistry between C.D. Lamb, because Dak overthrew him and underthrew him. He had 11 targets. He only caught two. There was no chemistry between Dennis Houston um, or the running backs out the backfield passing for Dak. So there's zero chemistry. I don't know why you'd want to go in cold with an with a unproven receiving core and a sketchy offensive line against the Bucks defense, which is top five. That's a, my opinion. That falls on coaching because I bet Dak wanted to play. So yet again, that's another fail on Mike McCarthy just being an idiot. Why he has a job makes no sense. Um, and then it goes back to the front office. You know, it's we're in an O-line rebuild because of, you know, but we should have known this. Tyron Smith hasn't been healthy since 2016. Zach Martin hurt his calf uh, two years ago, and we played terrible. Terrence Steele, he only played one season as a starter last year, and he did okay. We got rid of our left guard. Our center is still developing. He's going to be good one day, the hope is, but it takes time at center. It's a very demanding position. Um, and, you know, we got rid of our right tackle, who was hurt the entire year, Liel Collins, who was an undrafted free agent that should have been a first-round pick, but due to off-the-field issues, he dropped to undrafted. And he was a pro, almost a Pro Bowl caliber player. So you want to know why they're doing bad. It's that simple. They just decided to gamble on the fact that, you know, Dak could carry everything. And obviously he couldn't. And now he has an injured hand, not going on injured reserves. So people think he could come back within the next four or five, six weeks. But you feel, and then Alex, you could definitely chime in on this, that the NFC East is now open for grabs, even though most people predicted the Eagles as a division winners and they did win. But as a result of this and the Cowboys losing, is the division uh, more susceptible for the four teams in there in Washington, New York and uh, Philly? Yeah, no, I had um, our Washington commie friends and, uh, our New York Giants, um, right around seven and ten for the year. So I feel a lot better about that because I had them cleaning up some uh, head-to-head games in the, in the uh, division this year. Um, no, I mean I feel great about the Eagles' pick. I certainly feel even better about the six and eleven prediction for Dallas' pick, um, and that only has uh, uh, a portional, you know, a proportionate amount to do with Dak um, and his inability, um, healthy or. Healthy, you know, with the injury now with the thumb, so he'll be out. Um, I think they're saying what six to eight weeks with the with the, with the surgery. Six yes. to eight weeks, but they think he could come back in four. I, in my opinion, I wouldn't rush yeah. it because you you know you have that many years on his contract. Hand injuries are bad. Yeah, and, and not a lot of people have come back yeah. the same from the hand injury and the back injury. Yeah, usually those are the yeah. uh, real killers for careers. Yeah. Not saying yeah, this for is sure. it for Dak, and, but it, 
keep that in mind. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think the team and, and the organization is going to look at, you know, bringing back, uh, they're going to advise against bringing back Dak prematurely if they see that the season's going south by, you know, halfway through the season. Um, no, I think this is runaway Eagles and I feel better about my pick um, by the day. I certainly don't wish any ill upon anybody getting hurt, but I think even with Dak's injury, um, you're looking at a roster bereft of talent. Um, I think that, you know, having the, you know, the entire, you got holes all over the offensive line. Everybody's banged up um, outside of CD. I don't see really any offensive threat. Um, you know, maybe Dalton Schultz at the middle, but um, I still think it's the, the split carries between Zeke and Pollard um, gives me a little pause for concern because I don't think that they've really ironed that um, the the touches out yet. With Tom only Bowles. 71 yards from the ground in all yeah. four quarters there. And a lot of that has to do with the offensive line, but I just think that, the, you know, like like Brian said, it just it boils down to chemistry and having Dak sitting out the preseason, my guy included, Mr. Carr, uh, he looked like shit yesterday. I mean, he looked like shit back on Sunday because he had three picks where it was miscommunications on routes and just, you know, gambling stupidly, you know, downfield. So I think people will need to put a reemphasis on, you know, getting reps in in week four before the, the season starts at a minimum. But I feel better about the Dallas pick right now. Yeah, but the big thing here, and as we go throughout and hit on each game, this might be an example of at least play one half of your preseason. You're only having three games. Clearly chemistry in football is as, as, as vital as it comes into sports and athletics football you need chemistry and momentum and uh well maybe this is a result of uh, being a little too conservative there what's up brian i'll make one comment on this there's only one hope for dallas and that's that their schedule for the next six games is not terrible they play the bengals who really didn't play well last week Mm -hmm. t higgins is hurt so am I, if they're going to win the Bengals, but like I expect it to be a close, close game. They play the Giants. Could week one be a fluke? I don't trust Daniel Jones. Then they play Washington. Carson Wentz is hot and cold any other day. Then they play the Rams. Super Bowl hangover, or are they a good team? We still have to figure that out. Then they play the Eagles. They'll lose that game. But then they go Lions, Bears, Packers. So like technically... On their defense alone, they might be able to win against the Lions, Bears, and split between, you know, the Redskins and the Giants. That's three wins. They lose four. You go back with Dak at three and five. I mean, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. And uh, just focusing on the Bucks with this matchup, Tom Brady. And it was literally just reported by page six that Giselle and Tom Brady are living separately. I mean, who really cares? This is I do, you know, for somebody I really don't, I'm not as obsessed in celebrity culture as may be portrayed to be in the sense that I don't care what happens in the paparazzi, but that, who knows how serious that is, them living separately. But regardless, it didn't seem to phase Brady at all, you know, throwing for 212 yards, 80 for 27 with a touchdown, did throw a pick, but um. Got sacked two times, but uh, seemed that um, he was just picked up where he left off at 45 years old, especially from an incredible running game with Leonard Fournette and uh, some awesome plays from Mike Evans looking good. Godwin until he got hurt and Julio Jones. Maybe he shows that he's a legit threat in um, throughout their weapons. So uh, the Bucks looking like the Bucks under Todd Bowles. Do we see them just continuing to uh, strive even with 
Brady's off the field news? If anything, the off the field uh, off the field fuels him more. The team, the defense. I've never the defense played great. Sound yes, they defense. Did. Um, I my notes that. for this simple: the Brady connection is great as always. You know, you got Julio Jones, Evans, Godwin, Russell, Gage, Big Lenny at running back. Like they just have just the offense is just loaded with talent. You know, I would <laughs> like to see them get like, you know, some type of a trade acquisition for a tight end to really put them over the edge. But I think they're still fine with Cameron Braid. Um, but the defense, I think I honestly think that they're going to rely on the defense more this year. And I expect Todd Bowles to be a legit coach of the year candidate just based on he's the head coach. He's actually calling plays still as the defensive coordinator, technically. And they destroyed Dallas. And, you know, Dallas isn't a good team. But in my eyes, that that defense right there, that carried that team. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, I think um, he'll be in the running, you know, for coach of the year uh, just because they're downtown from last year. I mean, they made a lot of offseason changes. Uh, he's been dealing with a lot of uh, turnover in that regard. But, no, like you said, they were able to weather the storm from – your guys' defense, because, you know, despite how much shit talking we do with the Cowboys offense, uh, they have their issues, but your defense is pretty solid. Um, you know, Parsons, if they let him run loose and they don't have to line him up on their front four, um, he could really get after it, and he proved it the other night. Um, so there's a lot to be concerned about, you know, on the Bucks side of the ball on offense. Um, even with the great offensive line like they do, you know, in front of Tom Brady, he even had his problems. So um, definitely kudos to Dallas in that regard. But, you know... <clears throat> The Bucks are going to, um, you know, we kind of talked about it, you know, in, in the uh, in the initial um, uh, our preseason picks. I think they're going to have their issues, you know, throughout the season. They're going to have a couple up and down weeks where they're dealing with stuff internally, kind of, you know, uh, buying time as long as they take care of um, what they need to in the division. So I think they're going to have a pretty solid season. But I like what I saw, all things considered, even, um, you know, with some pass rushing, uh, pass rushing concerns from Dallas. Um, I think that it's just going to take a little time. There's going to be a lot of gelling to be going on the first half of the season. Saw a lot of that in, in New England with Brady, um, with Belichick. They always kind of had some things to iron out in the first half of the season. So I think there'll be a lot more of that the same with, uh, with Tampa Bay, but they'll be, uh, they'll be right there at the end of the season. How about them Cowboys? They are in a bunch of trouble. Simple as that. So moving so on. Trouble. Stick it to the East. Let's talk about New York football. First, the New York football giants. Six years it took them to win an opening a week one game, and they pull it off. It didn't look pretty. It really didn't. Even though the game was competitive and the defense throughout, I don't know. Brian Dayball, a.k.a. Brian Dayballs, must have had one hell of a second half locker room speech and Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley put the team on their back. Daniel Jones playing his heart out. And even when we thought after seeing him fumble in the second half, and then that really awful interception in the red zone, we thought, wow, this is really going to happen again. Time to pay more attention to Bryce Hall and um, the quarterback at Ohio state, because looks like, This looks like we know what we're in for. Yet, guy kept his composure. Team blocked for him. The defense stepped the fuck up. I mean, did you see Tay Crowder just manhandle Derrick Henry? I literally have never seen him get tackled like that ever. And you know what? 
You throw to Sterling Shepard for 65 yards here. You just have Saquon making so many yards and earning his offensive player of the week. And then we score. Then do the two-point conversion. That's successful with an awesome shovel pass to him. And then we saw something that we saw so many years prior. The penalties just killing us down the field. It wasn't Ryan Tannehill for the most part. It was us beating ourselves. And then a 57-yard field or 47. Let me um let me uh just double check the official yardage on the field click by Ryan Bullock. Yeah, so about a 47-yard field goal, and he misses it. And you know what? A win's a win. Now I am being realistic, not uh thinking about the playoffs just yet, but the momentum, the accountability that Dayball holds and his staff to this team. And you know what? The Giants won a well-deserved game. And now who knows what can happen in these next four games, whether against Carolina then the Cowboys two weeks after that. And, um, you know, the possibilities are endless. Who knows? All I'm just saying is who knows? And it's really exciting. So, yes, uh, we go play Carolina, then Cowboys, and then the – and then we play the Bears, all home games as well. And you know what? We just have some momentum. And most importantly, just take it week by week. And who knows what we could pull off, especially if Saquon's playing this well. Um, possibilities are endless. And I understand one thing. If, if this team, if Saquon's playing well, but the team isn't winning, you might want to consider trading him. But we'll worry about that. Um next month but for now giants are one and zero, and it feels pretty damn good i'm sure you guys were just excited as i was especially the cowboy fan in this but what do we think about the new york football giants with a huge upset against the titans so i'm gonna be see this is what i say i'm a realistic cowboy fan i'm just a football fan i'm very proud of the giants i'm very proud this is a football fan that just showed moxie they just mm-hmm. played hard-nosed football on defense, and they went to fundamentals on offense, and they relied on their strengths, which is their athleticism, and they made some plays. Did they steal a win out of it from the Titans? Absolutely. The Titans played a terrible game. I think the Titans yeah. are overrated this year. They got lucky, the Giants, because you know they had the fumble and the interception. If they didn't have that, I think they would have won easily. Um, you know, that happens, but at the end of the day – Strength of schedule, I personally think they're about to go 4-0 because Carol- I don't trust Carolina. The Cowboys are a liability. And then you said they play the Bears. They're the Bears. That's 4-0. You're in a great spot right now. They, the, the, the team that I can think of that benefits the most from the Dak Prescott injury is the New York football Giants. But this season will continue to rely on health. Could your O-line stay healthy, which it, it struggles with? Could your running back stay healthy? Could your quarterback stay healthy? And could your wide receiver stay healthy? Your best receiver is constantly injured, Shepard. Um, I wouldn't even put Galladay in because he's still unproven in my regards on the team. Daniel Jones is starting quarterback, always hurt. So we know about Saquon. The O-line's in a constant uh, turnstile of switching out because of injuries. If you guys could keep a core together and get chemistry, you'll be fine. Definitely, definitely. And yes, Kenny Galladay is nothing at this point. He's non-existent. And then we're also wondering what Kadarius Tony is. Uh, I, he he was barely featured, 
according to the press conferences, there are no issues there. We don't know if it's an internal thing, but imagine if we can get our our second round pick going because he definitely has a lot of potential there. Um, but yeah, everything else you hit on, especially with the line improving, Andrew Thomas in particular looks like he might actually be a solid pick from Gettleman, one of the very few. And then if Daniel Jones just keeps his composure and doesn't turn over the ball and emphasize, doesn't turn over the ball, we're Mm. in it. And that's all I can ask for, just playing competitive games here on out. And then now we have some winnable games in these next few weeks. Who knows where we go from there? Yeah, Yeah, it's just about keeping the, you know, the offense fundamental for Daniel Jones. Um, I think, you know, Dayball was brought in there because he is a wizard and what he's been able to do with Josh Allen in three years uh, time. But I think that, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not starting with the same deck um, every time you shuffle the card. So I think that keeping things, you know, uh, dumbed down, so to speak for Daniel Jones to really make the best of him um, and what he has in his capacity for the remainder of the season is definitely going to be crucial. Um, you know, we don't have to limit it to week uh, five weeks ahead because after the Green Bay and Ravens game, you got Jacksonville on the road, which is a very winnable game heading up to Seattle. Um, on, a, on a slightly short week, that should be an easy game. You got Houston at home, and then you got the Lions, and then a, and then a, and a banged up Cowboys team. So, um, you know, there's plenty of winnable games. I think this is a very manageable schedule, um, especially for a team like this that's figuring things out. But I think what you saw with um, the game plan with seeing Saquon healthy, as long as he can keep himself healthy and keep himself spry and, and ready uh, week after week, I think that this this team and this offense is going to really. Uh, it's going to really click over time. And I think it's because they're going to be able to keep opposing defenses on the sidelines and really play clock control. And it's going to be really crucial, especially like all the reasons that Brian mentioned, Um, you know, even, I mean, they did a lot of great things on defense in the Tennessee game. Um, There was not a single receiver um, on Tennessee that went over 70 yards. You got Derrick Henry under a hundred, under four yards of carry. So a lot of good things to see. Um, Not quite there. Um, in terms of defense, uh, how much I, I see promise in that defense yet, but you definitely see the game plan for the Giants um, moving forward with uh, ball control and the offense. And don't forget, Aziz was out and uh, Kevon Thibodeau, our number one pick from this past draft, and you only add to them. I mean, if you can keep Derrick Henry under 100 yards rushing, that's an accomplishment. Imagine the other running backs we go up against moving forward. And Let's just enjoy the ride. We play Carolina next week. And now let's talk about one of the biggest jokes in all of sports is the New York Jets franchise. I am absolutely amazed how damn foolish they look after week one. I mean, where do we begin? First, let's talk about the game itself. The defense did hold their own against Lamar Jackson and his new receiving core. But you know what? Can't win if you can't score. Joe Flacco. Looks abysmal out there. You want to talk about a bad offensive line. I mean, they ate up him and that running game like it was me eating McDonald's at my fattest days. Just sloppy and disgusting and embarrassing. And you know what? I was somebody who wanted to make a change. And will this team have any cojones to do it? It doesn't seem so. Then after your terrible 24 to 9 loss, you go in this week with Robert Sala just looking like a damn fool. He looks like an absolute fool in these press conferences. First, holding against, holding receipts against anybody who criticizes them. 
whether it's the media, whether it's a talk show, whether it's a podcast, Mr. Sala is so embarrassed and nervous that he has to keep receipts and remember all the haters. And then just these confusing and conflicting reports about players being hurt from Zach Wilson, um, almost reconsidering uh, people saying that he was considered that it seems like they were considering making a quarterback change, but they announced today that Joe Flacco will start against the Browns this week. And I mean, everybody thought that this coach could have been the one that at least gives them some sort of resonance and can have the team being taken seriously. And you know what? When you say all gas, no brakes, all gas, no brakes, my ass. This guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And you know what? In a few weeks time, the Jets are going to have to look for another coach again and see if Zach Wilson gives any hope whatsoever. And I personally don't think so. And yeah, at this point with the embarrassing PR and embarrassing play, um, the Jets go up against a Browns team that has a win and they're trying to win their, I think, go 2-0 and in some odd years for the first time in several years. And uh, people really think that they're going to lose to this to a team that knows how to really embarrass themselves on a PR standpoint. So the Jets, what a joke, what an absolute joke looking like a damn fool. And uh, I guess my first question for you guys here, after Joe Flacco, the Super Bowl MVP, plays absolutely plays like I what what bad adjective I can have just playing like absolute garbage. Terrible. Are you going to be the one making the move to put Mike White in? And then uh, tell me your answer there, and I'll tell you what some other people think regarding what that change might represent. Well, it yeah. doesn't matter. You go. Oh, right. I was it's- just going to – yeah, I, I don't want to interrupt Stephen A. Smith from talking about the disaster the Jets are just a minute ago. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, when, when, when you have Joe Flacco throwing 59 times in a game, you know it, something didn't go right. Um, <laughs> and you have a really sought after backfield that people are excited about Bryce Hall and you use him for nothing. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I, I think that's going to be like the epitome of the season is just seeing all this promising young talent just wasted on yet another dysfunctional season. Um, it almost feels like you've got a car that has all these problems in it and you keep ordering parts for it. And another thing breaks down because they have a great draft, exceptional draft and everybody praised them for it, including, including the three of us to my recollection. But then you have an injury, you know, weeks later to, um, you know, the golden boy quarterback and you have a dysfunctional head coaching staff who's taking receipts, which it, frankly, even if I'm the tax collector, I would just chuck those receipts because mm-hmm. you're not going to need them when you're winning three games. Um, Can't be so sensitive. Not only, obviously not in New York, but if you're an NFL coach, you have to answer to the media. Yeah. So I think, you know, just to wrap things up, because there's really not a lot of highlights, rather low lights to talk about this team, but you know, it's, it doesn't even matter about the offensive woes that this team had. Um, it, it looked like this defense gave up mid third quarter uh, last weekend, but the big issue is, um, you know, going through the season, I think two things can be true. I think before we, you know, um, you know, supplant Flacco and put Mike White into the conversation, which I think will be an upgrade upgrade regardless because Flacco's terrible. But I think that you're, you're going to see a lot of production, a lot of, um, 
improvement from these rookies, all the guys they drafted uh, this past season um, and the year past. And if you can keep some semblance of health and show improvement and development, I would try to scrap the head coaching staff, but I would keep this unit because I think there's a lot of promising pieces on defense. And, you know, if you can get Zach Wilson back healthy, you see what the make, I see what you get and make the best of it uh, towards the end of the season. I agree hundred um, percent. You know, Sal is a defensive coach. He's a defensive coordinator. Like, look at the defense looks good. Cornerbacks look good. The front line look good. Like, yeah, Sauce Gardner looks legit. Yeah, that's his bread and butter. And unfortunately, that as a, I don't like defensive head coaches because the offense usually suffers. You could have an offensive head coach and a, def- a good defensive coordinator, and your defense will be fine. It doesn't really work the same way the other way. Um, you know. The right wide receiver showed promise. The running back room is explosive in my eyes with Carter and Hall. Um, I'm disappointed with the Jets on this reason. Why can't you, why couldn't you just trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, I don't care that you wasted a first-round pick on Zach Wilson. You have a good receiver room, a good running back room, and a decent defense. You could have got yourself an average quarterback and been a mediocre team for the first time in a long time. Like – Stop trying to hit home runs when you don't even have the bat yet made. It's still at the factory to hit the home run from. Just get average. That's what they. That's their problem. The Jets. They try to hit big. Just get average. Yeah, dude. I don't know. There seems to be a lot of pride with Joe Douglas, and that transitions to my last point on the Jets here. Right. So you have Mike White, who was awesome when Zach Wilson got hurt in his one-and-a-half game he, games he played, right? And he defeated the AFC champions. Now, there's a legit theory, and I don't know if this was just hogwash from Jets Twitter or whatever, but some people really believe the reason why Mike White isn't started, isn't starting, is because they don't want to have a either a a quarterback battle between him and Zach Wilson. You pick him second overall, and then you have this guy who wasn't drafted by Douglas, just picked up off the waivers from the Dallas Cowboys. And some people legitimately feel that they Mike White may straight up be better than Zach Wilson. And if that's the case, Joe Douglas should not be a GM because he completely he completely doesn't acknowledge that he's the better option. And they should have, you know, got whether getting an, another offensive tackle, which clearly is what they need, and vice versa. And people really believe that Mike White is being held back because they don't want to look like fools if he's genuinely better than him. And they've never had a legitimate battle when they were both healthy at the same time. And now, well. But, here, but, here, but here's the thing, Matt. You can have that internal battle if you're the Jets, but – you're only shooting yourself in the foot because if you actually have some kind of tr- trade asset value, you better find out about it now because you got to get right. talent in exchange for Mike White. So if you don't want to have a QB controversy and you're all in on Zach Wilson, which I think any smart organization in the right mind would put all their chips on the, the high draft pick that they got. Even if you have talent in Mike White, get off him while sell high. You always sell yeah. high. And you have enough time to do it. It's only week two. But yet you're playing Joe Flacco, who seems he's had a great career. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he's had a great, great NFL career. He's made over one hundred and fifty million dollars. And well, if you 
but you got you got to salvage. You got to show this this um, this organization's fans. You got to show them that you actually give a shit about the season, and you're not going to throw another one away by playing Joe Flacco. At least Mike like White's exciting. That. At least yeah. Mike White's exciting. Like that. Like Mike that. That's a, White. that's a that's a media thing. Like use Mike White. He can throw eight and ten picks. It, he can listen. He can throw Doesn't for four hundred yards. Yeah, he can throw for four hundred yards and four touchdowns. The Jets will figure out a way to lose the game. So it doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah, I think they need to do the right thing when it's when it's early enough to do this kind of experimenting. And well, because Robert Solid doesn't seem to be confident in his decisions ultimately, I think they're just gonna let this ride out. I mean, some people say that if they have a bad first half, Miles Garrett makes them makes the Jets quarterback the uh his daddy. Uh, do you go in and, you know, put somebody else in, you put Mike White in then? I don't know. But um, ultimately, if you just want this to be another example of another bad head coach coming in, another GM, will, he'll probably be on his way out, coming in and go, getting out, and then, uh, you know, just start this cycle once again. Uh, and the only other thing I can say, and I don't know how legitimate this is, just here on Mike Francis's podcast that there are rumblings amongst the NFL owners that Woody Johnson is ready to sell the Jets. I don't know how legitimate that is. I didn't really see that picked up anywhere else, but um, it seems to only make sense at this point. Uh, get your few billion dollars you will for selling the Jets and uh, see if the, you know they'll hire the right people. Uh, it's so worked for the Mets. It's worked for the Mets if you're talking about changing ownership and how much that really enlightens a franchise. Can the Jets do the same? I don't know. It was literally just rumblings. I didn't even find an article on it, but um, Woody Johnson, maybe he'll sell the Jets and maybe then they'll finally figure it out. Just don't let James Dolan buy it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. He's got enough problems to deal with. Can't wait to get into him later on in a few months, probably. Let's talk about the Chargers and the Raiders. Chargers won a tight one against Las Vegas. The defense looked pretty dominant on the Chargers side for the Chargers, especially Khalil Mack, looking like the old Khalil Mack. Despite a nail-biter, Raiders did put up a fight, and Derek Carr and and Devontae Adams looked like they could be a legitimate dynamic duo. So we will toss it over to the Raiders fan himself. Evaluate this game for us, please. (laughs) Oh man, uh, I think I had like two strokes and a heart attack during the same game. But, uh, no, I was I was super <laughs> I, I was super excited at the outset. The the energy was electric. It looked like a freaking home game if you pan the crowd a few times. Um, though, Isn't I, that I, sad? <laughs> yeah, no, I expected that. It's it's not only the fact that we're in the same vicinity as our own hometown, um, which I still call them the Oakland Raiders, by the way, but. Uh, it's but it's the fact that Chargers have no fans, which is sad because Herbert deserves better than that. Yeah, but, right. Uh, but but, it, but you know it was a great game, a lot of electricity. Um, no pun intended. But I think the 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 big, the big takeaways is that um, what what you got a glimpse of immediately right off the bat is there's really something special going on with uh, Carr and uh, Devontae. Um, just saw the, just saw a glimpse of it, but. 10 receptions of buck 40. I mean, it, this is going to be really something wild to see as the AFC West uh, continues to move on. Um, we'll definitely see how to, um, 
Thursday night's game goes with uh, uh, Chargers Chiefs, that's going to be a great head-to-head to kind of uh, continue the saga in in the division. But I saw a lot of great things on uh, both sides of the ball. Mad Max was a monster. Max Crosby was a monster. Um, I thought Taylor Jones played a conservative game. I didn't really hear his name called until late in the third quarter. So that definitely concerns me a little bit, something to keep an eye on. But, uh, you know, I saw a lot of great things. Um, Kudos to the Chargers because even though um, I hate them, they've always been the silent rival, not the the big ones making names um, always out of the playoffs. But uh, Herbert was a monster, uh, three TDs, two, 280, 26 and 34. Um, Eckler was a beast on the ground. Um, he's going to have a monster here too. The only thing that sucks is they lost Keenan Allen. Um, I expect anybody who's in fantasy to check out the waiver wire with uh, Ev- Everett and uh, you know and DeAndre Carter, but. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a great game. Um, it was really exciting a while. I don't think the score really told the whole story. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see how this Chargers team continues to ascend because I know what I'm getting with my team, and they got to cut down on the, the turnovers, but this Chargers team really looks special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now – Great game. <laughs> I was just yeah, gonna say I have no, I don't have that much to say about it except great game. Both offenses look really good. Raiders need to step up on defense more because I think you know that's always going to be the weak point for them this season. But if you just see a little bit, they see an average defense on that on that side of the ball. You know, I think they have a lot of promise. All right, all right, and um, is Devontae Adams going to have fifty touchdowns? Uh, is he going to have a? 100 touchdowns with Derek Carr. I mean, he was on a very good defense. Reckon they did have a few injuries on on the def, on their secondary, but he still was being Devontae Adams. Are we expecting to see this be the, one of the best duos in the NFL this year, if, it, if that showed us anything? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Keep it nice and sweet, short and sweet. Well, I, I think... I mean, in all seriousness, like, I think they'll probably connect for around 12, 15 touchdowns for the year if I'm going to be really objective here. But it's going to be it's going to be wild to watch. Great, great. Okay, so why don't we talk about the opening matchup, the Bills and the Rams? Well, as we said, people think that the Bills are legitimately a perfect football team. On the offense, on the defense, on the special teams, on the coaching staff, their mascot, their fan base, the Bills, 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 go up against the reigning champs in the four in the four nights in the Rams, and they did not hold up their end of the bargain. Except Cooper Cup was looking like Cooper Cup. Now, I think the Bills are just going to continue their tour of dominance. But do we see the Rams have any concern and are suffering from the Super Bowl hangover, as people like to say it? So Rams should be worried in my eyes because I just don't think Stafford's elbow is good enough yet right now. Um, I wish he took a game or two off. Just the way his throwing mechanics were, I just didn't like it. Um, the defense looks a little shaky. Uh, Jalen Ramsey got torched by Stefan Diggs, who, you know, Stefan Diggs is probably, you know, he's a top five, top ten uh, receiver in the league. But, you know, I Jalen Ramsey should be the best cornerback in the league. So it's just, you know, it was a little eye-opening. Um, so I would be a little worried. But yet again, it's only game one. Uh, Bills, most complete team in football. The only negative, as I said in the preseason, um, in the you know the full pod we did last week, um, you know the running back room 
is the weakest point of their team, in my opinion. The running, you know, I like Singletary. I need to see him hit a thousand yards. He hasn't done it yet. James Cook fumbled. You know, that's it's that's a team that, you know, around the trade deadline, you know, I might have to call some people up and try to get some players. Um, you know, that's a team I might call, you know, the Jets and be like Michael Carter. You know, you have Bryce Hall, uh, Bryce Hall, like Greg Carter. Um, I, that's where I see if the passing game ever gets shut down, I just don't think the running game could actually hold hold it up for them. So that's my worry for them. Okay. Yeah, totally agree. I think that the weakest point of this this offense is uh, the running backs room. I think they'll probably make a few calls around the deadline. Uh, I think, you know, Singletary can, you know, he's not quite a bell cow, but he'll get 60% of the runs. And they'll probably, you know, run some read options with Josh Allen, but they're going to try to preserve him ultimately for the remainder of the season. Um, I really saw no chinks in the armor with this team. Um, I'm far more concerned with the Rams. I, I have a lot of uh, a lot of premature questions kind of brewing, and a lot of it, you know, stems from the health uh, of the team. But definitely seeing Ramsey get burned on some of those plays was uh, eye-opening too. I think I, it could just be a little bit of a hangover. I think they'll correct it halfway through the season. I think they just looked a little steps, uh, a few steps slow uh, opening night. Hear that? Hear that? So let's talk about. One of my favorite people to talk about and his team, Aaron Rodgers, lose to the Minnesota Vikings. Maybe this shows that if you just rest and be chill, sleeping on Tempur-Pedics over the week, as allegedly it was reported out of the Vikings camp, that they were very relaxed going up against Green Bay. And you know what? You stayed dominant. Justin Jefferson, what, 184 yards, 11 catches, I mean, my goodness, um, you have uh, Kirk Cousins, pretty, pretty solid, 277 yards and a couple of touchdowns there. Uh, even Dalvin Cook, little le- just hit 90 yards, but 20 carries. I mean, they were putting in work, and the big thing people notice, Aaron Rodgers and the chemistry with his with his um receivers did not look like it was there whatsoever. And he had Alan Lazar, his number one, not playing. And his final total is 22 for 34 with 195 yards and an interception. Now, my thing, I think you, my thing here is Rogers has been notorious playing, has been notorious with playing bad during the first week of the season. He went 0-1-1 to start both last year and the year before, and he won the MVP. Personally, I think uh, this is just his way of um, – I think personally, I just think hey, don't worry. Don't overreact now. The Vikings are a good team, especially on the offensive side. And even with their upgrades on defense, I think you shouldn't really have to worry about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I think he's just somebody who uh, is better as he progresses um, throughout the season. And I mean, even what was it, last year that people thought he was even throwing – some of the games when he was up for a new contract, I don't think that's the case. I don't know, but Aaron Rodgers is always fascinating to me on a lot of good podcasts this past week. If you like him on Bill Maher, which was awesome, and then uh, Caleb Caleb from Barstool, which was hilarious. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I think, will be fine moving forward. Do you guys think the same? I think he's going to be fine. I just think that they might end up losing the first few. They might, you know, have a struggle or lose the first few games because of the lack of chemistry. Um, I'll start with the defense. The front seven looked good, but the secondary got burned. 
There's no reason why Jair Alexander wasn't guarding Jefferson the whole game. The fact that they kept on switching different looks up at Jefferson instead of just sticking to probably a top five cornerback in the league makes no sense to me. Um, the O-line held up well, I thought. Um, but there's no chemistry Aaron Rodgers, in my personal opinion. I think if you put Jordan Love out there, Jordan Love would have had a better game than Aaron Rodgers because of chemistry. Um, I think that I, I'm really a proponent of quarterbacks playing in the preseason, especially when you have two rookie starting receivers. And, you know, I think there is going to be a difference in the last two years. The last two years they had Devontae Adams. And that that's like, you know, that in my eyes is like the Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett. Russell Wilson didn't need to pray and play in preseason every year after year. He could hit Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin because he knew the timing for them. Aaron Rodgers does in this Aaron Rodgers, especially in this offense, right? Aaron Rodgers grew up in a West Coast offense. This is not a West Coast offense. There's a lot more timing in this offense. And it's gone. There's no timing. You know what I mean? Like there's no timing, personal timing for him. Uh, and his receivers. I was watching uh, Romeo Dubs try to do a back shoulder catch, and he cut. You could just tell he stopped two steps sh- shorter than Aaron wanted, and he overthrew him. You know, these are just things that are going to take a lot, a long, you know, oh, not a long time, but a while for them to develop. So I could see this being a lost year, and maybe not like a wild card team, but not deep playoffs, just because of the lack of chemistry. Yeah. The only yeah. thing that my only contrary to that is Rogers throughout his career, despite not winning the big game has made it work with various receivers and not a lot of quarterbacks can say that like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning for, are one of the couple that can, he's made it work with Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and obviously Devonte Adams and so on and so forth. If this is this, if this is his biggest challenge, making these receivers work, uh, Okay, but I think that's something to consider that Rodgers is one of those special quarterbacks can make any receiver look awesome. I'll say one thing to that, though. You got to remember in his early years, he had always had a veteran receiver with him, Greg Jennings. I think yep. he, uh, you know what I mean? Like, he, then then oh, eventually, I, then Jordy Nelson, then Randall Cobb. And those were, when they were in their prime they were good. They were perennial, perennial pro bowlers was Jordy Nelson when he was healthy. And Randall Cobb was always touching pro bowl numbers. And then Devante. And then you could, you know what I mean? Like he, they always had people like, you know what I mean? They had uh try. I can't remember the tight ends, the tight end that was really good back then. I can't think of his name, but he was phenomenal too. Um, on, on those teams. Like he always had people. This is a completely unproven roster at receiver. Yeah. And you have Sammy Watkins on his 16, probably. Yeah. And, and the thing, too, is like if you're exiting last season and you took a poll from the, those fans, I, I'm sure they would have and voice grave concerns about moving the offense because, yeah, I understand there was weather you know involved with that San Francisco game, but that team could not move the ball for a team that's prized upon its ability to have a, a high speed offense. So if you, you know, you, you come into the season with that and you already have these moving parts, you have, you know, shifts on the offensive line, you lose your best receiver. This is not the usual off season where Aaron gets to come in flippantly on his own time. you got to get those reps in. Like you said, Brian, with the new roster, these new, um, you know, these new offensive pieces. And that was always Aaron's criticism of the organization as a passes. He was always skeptical of not having their best interests at heart because he wasn't, they weren't consistent. They weren't consistently drafting for the here and now getting him weapons in the draft. And they finally did. And he takes the whole summer off. So 
I definitely think that was a huge issue. But, you know, we saw Aaron stumble out of the gates last year um, in the first week of the season uh, for the New Orleans game. So, um, I, you know, I think they'll turn it around. I'm not down on this team immediately, but they're definitely going to have their fair share of uh, issues this season. Yeah. I guess my only other contrary to that is let's just see how the next few weeks uh, unfold because it is just the first week of the season. Yeah. And yes, if we're when we record this during week four and this is the same, then uh, your points are definitely valid. But we will see what happens moving forward. However, let's talk about something that seems blatantly obvious and that may lead to a quarterback change if he plays like this next week as well. As Joe Flacco was a veteran looking awful and not progressing his team, let's talk about the second-year quarterback and Trey Lance doing it for the 49ers. The, on a very winnable game, wrecking on the road, on a game that they should have they should have won ultimately, Trey Lance with a quarterback rating of only 43, a 46% completion percentage, 164 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. Uh, this was as sloppy as the Soldier Field, as Soldier Field was uh, against the Bears this past week. Debo Samuel had to do Debo Samuel things, and um, ultimately he can't rush every single play. But reckon it was very, very it almost like straight up dangerous to play him on at Soldier Field on Sunday afternoon. The 49ers fall to the Bears by a score of 19 to 10. And Justin Fields looking really good, throwing two touchdowns there as well. So is it time to bench Trey Lance already? Uh, or do we let the rookie keep playing on? I think you got to let him play another game. Uh, that weather sucks. You can't really judge a player in the first game based on that kind of weather. I think, uh, you know, Fields has got lucky with uh, some blown coverages on those two touchdowns, probably also because of the weather in itself with some slippage and, you know, not having traction with some cleats. Um, but I want to see well, at least one more game, two more games, three games is, is what I would say. I would give uh, Trey Lance for the 49ers before I start putting in Jimmy G because then you're risking playoffs. Um, you got the injury of the running back Mitchell. So like, that's going to be tough, but you have Debo yeah. and Jeff Wilson behind him. So hopefully they could, you know, that won't be that big of a hit. Um, but in my eyes, yeah, you got to give him two more games just to see what's up. Yeah. And like the, the big difference is Joe Flacco clearly is at the end of his career while Trey Lance is at the start. When we compare uh, people who should make, immediate quarterback changes. I think that has to be addressed and I don't disagree with you on that front, but does Alex feel like they should uh, make the change? He can answer right now. Well, I, I think it's kind of hypocritical to draft a guy and say that his biggest flaw is not having enough reps just to pull him after one week. And, you know, to Brian's point, it's like, you know, how are you going to judge a first year, first game guy in horrible, shitty, rainy weather in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, Chicago's bad enough if you're not on the field and you're just walking through the city. But <laughs> if you got, you got a downpour, slip and slide on the on Soldier Field, I don't think so. Um, I think you give him about um, a six week leash because there's a lot of winnable games in there. You got Carolina week four. Um, you got the Atlanta game, and then I would probably. I would probably make um, you know a decision ahead of the October 23rd against the Chiefs game. I think you could probably go six games. Um, you don't have to win. I think if you go even three and three, or you keep it close with the Rams game um, in in uh, week four, I think uh, I think that's a fair 
a fair judgment time um, and turnaround for Trey Lance. Um, if you feel like you're Kyle Shanahan and you don't have enough faith in uh, Kansas City moving forward, then I would probably insert Jimmy G. But even with that said, um, I if, if you decide to change gears, go back to Jimmy G sooner than later, that I would still continue to try to keep Trey Lance in the fold on the offense and try to use him in um, uh in some special routes and uh, some kind of uh, uh, diversive tactics because if Kyle Shanahan is the offensive coordinator and the guru that he says, he could find a place for him on this roster and this offense because I think whatever you do, however you utilize him, you need to get him reps no matter what. Womp, womp, womp. So the next batch of games to discuss have something in common. The kickers played a huge part in it. Whether it's the Steelers and Bengals, McPherson comes up short for the first time in his career as missing a field goal in overtime while Boswell for the Steelers makes it. Colts and Texans end in a tie. Blankenship goes wide right on a 42-yarder with two minutes left in overtime. Gets weighed after. Then you had Monday night where McManus misses a 64-yarder for Denver, yet people question Nathaniel Hackett's clock management and not give and not giving Russell Wilson a chance to at least get a better field goal to get in better field goal range for the Denver Broncos uh, towards the end of the game on Monday night. Plus we have the Falcons blowing big, big leads as usual. Then they did it once again. <laughs> and uh, this time you can account for Wilson. Uh, sorry. You could account for Will Lutz scoring a 51 yarder. So, Four games right there, all decided from the kick. One thing to always remember, you can't take the foot out of football. And it's not automatic anymore. Simple as that. <laughs> I mean, when we were growing up, it seemed that they can make anything, but that's not the case anymore. And having said that, Brian, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about the weight of all this pressure and stuff going on for the kicker and you never know if it's going to work out or not. And, you know, again, we already talked about with the giants, the same thing. It was actually a 42 yarder and I really thought Bullock was going to make it and he didn't, but a lot of games living by the football, sorry, living by the foot. So yeah. Damn. What do you think um, about that? It's one of the hardest positions in the league because you don't get that many reps in game. You know what I mean? Like you got to constantly be warmed up and loose there's nerves. When you do have to go kick, it's usually in crunch time in a very drastic situation where you need those points. Um, you know, it's a, probably the most demoralized position in the, in, in all of and all football, because if you do bad, everyone moves. Yeah. It's as thankless as it gets. And it just, what it comes down to, it's a tough position. There's not a lot. The transition from college to NFL for kicking is very hard. It's very hard. There's, if, you know, if every, if it was that easy, you know, you, you, you would draft kickers. You don't draft kickers. Yeah. You rarely draft a kicker. I think the Bucks did it with a third-round pick, and he was terrible <laughs> a couple of years ago. Yeah, Roberto Aguayo. I think his name was Roberto Aguayo or something like that. Um, I just want to talk about the Denver one quick. Like, that was, that was, that was dumb to me. Like, 64 yards is very hard. Like, I, would yeah, have broke the record. Would have broke it. It was the second, second, second one. He, yeah, he second, 64 yards. He has the first, but it's just like, you know, you've you just paid a guy $200 million. It's like 50, you have 50 seconds and change, right? So if you snap the ball with like 54 seconds, 
You do a five yard strategy. You do short routes, you know, that's five seconds off. All right. If you don't get it, it's 50 seconds left. All right. And you have two time, you have three timeouts left. They have three timeouts. You know what I mean? You could have called three timeouts or two timeouts even, right? And it would have ran to 10 seconds left. You get the kick return, fair catch. You have 10 seconds left with a t- one timeout left. You can do a junk play, try to get as much yards as you can. Make Call a timeout with one second left and a Hail Mary if you had to do it. Like the kick in there with that situation, especially with the momentum, like Seattle had all that momentum that game. Like Gina Smith balled out. Let's call it the way it is. Like talk about the, the biggest thriller of the week was Geno Smith in Seattle. Um, you know, you got, you got to go for it. Absolutely unacceptable. And don't give me this first, then don't give him a pass because he's a first year coach, uh, first year head coach. You, you got to give Russell Wilson the ball at this point. And well, now you look like a damn fool. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I, I would still put a, I'm going to blame it, the, you know, the coaching staff's feet. But, yeah, this is why you pay Russell Wilson $200 million. You you got plenty of time to operate despite what people say. Like there, like you guys said, there's a few downs. You got timeouts to work with. Um, you know, this is what you're paying for. And they could have at least, you know, spared that kicker, you know, uh, the embarrassment of pushing a 64-yarder because we know that's, that's no walk at the park. Um, it would have been a record, obviously. I think all three kicks, you know, more or less the uh, the blanket ship kick um, and the the, uh, the the Pittsburgh game with uh, McPherson's kick, they're all consequential for their own separate reasons. I think that was definitely a layup um, uh, for Cincinnati that they kind of lost the opportunity on, you know, claiming a very uh, easy uh, divisional game at home. I felt like they had a little bit of Super Bowl hangover. And I think for, for Indianapolis, too, another – divisional layup game that they should have taken home to victory as well, because this is going to be a, this is a very weak division AFC South, but you have to get, you have to take gimmies where they come. And um, I thought that Matt Ryan didn't play a great game, but I thought their defense played well enough to uh, keep them in a game where they could have taken that home. So I think all three kicks were in consequence, were very consequential in their own right. Um, I think it was more, it was more cinematic and more, uh, a microcosm of the season that Seattle was going to have versus uh, had last night. The fact that Denver didn't take that win home, but I think ultimately Denver will probably be the best out of the three moving forward on um, the next super fall, you know, coming back from that type of flaw. So. Yeah, I agree. And McManus is a good kicker. He had the yeah. distance. It's just, oh, absolutely. You know, as you know, as you know, it just went wide, right. It happens. And- out. Yeah, <laughs> and also with the the back to the Colts and Texans, you had it when the Texans were at midfield in overtime and had fourth and five. They decided uh, Lovey Smith decides to punt, and when asked, he said, "Well, <laughs> I didn't want to lose." So they were still nervous that Matt Ryan could get him back in a field goal range, and as you said, a pretty mixed game for him, um, but. At that point, we just need some yards. I think you can trust him when you have people like Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman on your side. So very interesting, very interesting. And uh, something to look to really pay attention to is how the kickers play throughout, because this has been going on for a few years, them not being automatic anymore or as they used to be. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's very resembling of golf because I've always been yeah. the first 
critic out front bashing golf and, and shit talking it um, for the lack of, you know, athleticism, but it really is all mental and you don't Man, really you like can't, you can't supplant the reps that you do on a country club with the real PGA tour. And like, <laughs> Even though some not, people think that they can. Well, yeah, because it's like, Oh, you're doing the same thing. It's all mechanistic swinging the club. And it's like, no, it's not. You have, you have fans around, you have huge crowds, you have all the pressure and you see guys holes and holes up ahead of you on the course or behind you that you have to think about in the scorecard. So I don't think it's the same thing. I think it's very comparable to the, what these kickers are going through mentally. Interesting takes boys. Interesting takes. So we had the chiefs and the Cardinals, which I think is the most overrated game. Now, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes getting five touchdowns and they just absolutely beat down this very old um, and I think lost Arizona team. Now I'm not taking anything away from that. And uh, Mahomes, you know, anything the media, the media loves this guy. This guy can, this guy can, uh, this guy saved a girl, saved a cat from a tree. That'd be the biggest news of the week. People love Mahomes. Now he backed it up and I mean, he was stellar, but I, remember who you were playing an Arizona team that as we talked about looks absolutely like a mess and very, very bad defense and a very old defense. And they lost a lot of key players on it. Chandler Jones, for instance. And though you can always get excited. And when you have your guys playing, especially the big thing to take away is uh, Clyde, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, who, was not looking good last season. He did um, get a touchdown and, you know, ran for some solid yardage moving forward. But, um, you know, I think, yes, the Chiefs are going to be a good team this season, but let's see how they play on Thursday night. And, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, anyone could beat down that Cardinals team that seems really lost, especially in the secondary. I mean, there is just so many people were, who were open and like these receivers were just making them look silly at some point. So um, do we think that Patrick Mahomes can average this type of performance moving forward? Or do you guys agree with me too, that they just took advantage of a, an opponent that seems really weak? I think it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, it's Mahomes. So, uh, you know, any given Sunday, he could put up five TDs. Um, but he's also the guy that put up five interceptions. It's like Peyton Manning. Like it's, you know, Peyton Manning is, or Brett Favre, gunslingers, but, you know, they end up throwing interceptions. It happens. Uh, receiving core, I had worries about before the offseason. In the offseason, I don't anymore. They look solid. They have veterans. That's, you know what I mean? They have a team of veterans at receiver. And that's honestly like Pat Mahomes' best friend, you know, best thing going for him, best friend, Travis Kelsey's, you know, still Travis Kelsey. So only thing I really worry about the Chiefs really is just the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did, let, they did let 41 points, uh, 21 points against this Cardinals team, but even with overrated Kyler Murray, but he's definitely happy. He has uh, Hollywood Brown on. He had a great game. Well, yeah, and Matt, if you look at the, the the quarters of competitive play, a lot of those 14 of the 21 for Arizona was in the fourth quarter when the game was entirely out of hand, too. So mm-hmm. I'm even less concerned than you are about this defense, uh, Brian, if we're looking objectively at the, the Chiefs moving forward for the season. But, I mean, I had the Cardinals uh, sneaking in at the last second as the seventh seed in the NFC just by virtue of 
the uh, conference having a bad down year once again. So I think that's more of a, just a byproduct of the, the conference being a little weaker than the AFC, but yeah, Arizona's got their problems. Um, they're going to have it. It's going to be tough sledding this year. When, <laughs> I, when you have James Conner as your third best running back in production last weekend, you got a problem, um, especially for what they, what they had to uh, do to, um, to bring him over uh, a season ago. But I, I think that they have a lot of problems until DeAndre Hopkins gets back. Um, and even when he does, he, he comes back, he's going to um, be commanding double teams. Uh, I have really zero uh, concern with Kansas city. Um, while I had them as the third team, uh, of that division and um, in the wild card situation, I had them the second or third wild card. I think it's just because that they do have a, um, a tough schedule. And I think that there's going to be a little bit of progression um, throughout the middle of the season. They're going to be taking it a little easier uh, week to week uh, with health concerns. But um, yeah, I mean, everybody was electric. Like uh, Smith Schuster had a great game. Kelsey commanded um, and he still prevailed, had a lot of uh, yardage. Uh, this team is, is going to be hot. Um, but it's just another walk of the day apart for Pat Mahomes. I hate saying it. Uh oh. Well, I think Thursday night will be a big test for Mahomes and the Chiefs. So Baker Mayfield's revenge game comes up short. Lou, the Browns defeat the car the shoot. The Browns defeat the pair. You got it. You know, sorry. All right, the Browns defeated the Carolina Panthers 26-24. to At first, it seemed that the Browns, this was their game to, to absolutely take over. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb were fucking scary out there. I mean, let's look at it. 217 yards together, um, you know, just 180 yards between Chubb and Hunt alone. Jacoby Prissett played so-so, but he kept the game, uh, team in there. And then after the Panthers did fight back, you know, you think Baker Mayfield, if he definitely, if he allegedly told that reporter that he's going to fuck the team up, even though I don't think that was true, but ultimately he did come up short, 16 for 27 with uh, 235 yards in total with a touchdown and pick. And then we had Christian McCaffrey not being Christian McCaffrey. 10 carries with just 33 yards. And um, despite Robbie Anderson, the other receivers did not pick up big numbers for Baker. But yet, game was competitive. Another field goal helped uh, establish what was going on. And um, ultimately, the Browns run away with it. What do we think about this game? No injuries were reported, by the way. I think those are one of the few. And no one got hurt, and we love to see that. But um, again, also with a uh, big um, field goal, fifty-eight yarder for York, the Browns uh, pull it off. Um, you know, it's the Browns. Like, I think they're gonna like you know go throughout this season of around five hundred until Deshaun gets back. Um, but like, Brissett just has to game manage like he did. And that running game is just so unstoppable that, in my opinion, like that's, you know, both of those guys need to get 20 carries a game. It's just, that's just how, it's what I feel. Okay, you don't need to throw the ball. I feel bad for Maury Cooper because he's not going to get the yard that he deserves, but give those boys 15, 20 carries each. Let them run. Your defense front seven and cornerbacks are good. Let them play. 
and hold on to a lead like that. Clock management and good defense should bring these guys through the through the season. And with the Panther Panthers, you know, they show me some glimpses. I just think that uh, Baker might need a little bit more time in that system to get a little more comfortable. So I think by week three, you might see the real true definition of, uh, you know, Carolina. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, presents a, a competent backup, like you said, Brian, to the capacity that he's involved in this offense, it's still going to be, you know, running through uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I think uh, there's a lot of nice things that you could take advantage of moving forward, uh, especially, you know, a few, a few dual tight end sets. You could have uh, Joku on a lot of this stuff, especially with the Jets game, because uh, the Jets do have a, a pretty solid defensive front four for what it's worth. But, um, you know, there'll be a few winnable games that they're, you know, competitive in with the Steelers and the Falcons game and, you know, even maybe the New England game at week six. So, you know, we'll see. But I think that they're going to get slammed uh, from there. They got Ravens, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, Bucks. Um, It's going to be tough sledding uh, until Deshaun gets back. So I have them competitive, but they definitely seem like they have a formula for um, the ground game and keeping things uh, close because, I'm not going to take too much stake in a, uh, a win over Carolina, but I was definitely disappointed in the fact that Carolina didn't take advantage of uh, the revenge mindset from Baker. So that was kind of what it was. <laughs> womp womp. Well, we'll see if Baker tries to get his first win against the Giants this Sunday. So a high scoring game. I hope you bet the over. Eagles Alliance 38 to 35. And it seems like they were re- the Eagles were really dominating on both sides of the ball. We had James Bradbury uh, have a pick six. Jalen Hurts was unbelievable. Despite no touchdowns, 243 total yards. They go at 18 for 32. Miles Sanders running in for touchdowns and uh, vice versa after that. But the Lions did put a fight, especially at the end. Uh, I mean, Iman, Iman Ross St. Brown making a case that he's the next one as one of the solid wide receivers in this league, part of the St. Brown brotherhood there. And uh, DJ Clark looks like he could be a legit receiver in this league as well. And if Jared Goff can just hold his own being a quarterback against a very, very good defense like the Eagles, Maybe the Lions are better than we think, and that's what we discussed. But what did you guys get take out of this game? I see the Eagles being NFC favorites if they continue on this path. They just built too good. Too, they're the most. They're the they're the Bills of the NFC in the words of just a complete football team. You really think it so? Is Why is that? It, I just don't see weakness. I don't see any weaknesses in their positions. The cornerbacks, the weakest position to them is safety, and it's an average safety group. It's not a bad safety group. So they're fine at safety. They're great at cornerback, linebacker, core in front, and the front four are great. The offensive line is probably top three. The receiving core is ridiculous. The running back room is healthy, is good, and the quarterback is you know a fantasy dream. And you know if he if he stays accurate, they're gonna go places. Um, so, you know, that's good. And in my eyes, the Lions know how to play football again. They came back, you know, I, they have, they're, they're, they're a team that I could see pushing over, pushing every single game to almost winning big. I, I see them. I'm see them after this game. I see them closer to 500 than I had before. Yeah. 
Yeah, I got them seven wins, but I think even, you know, the chasm between seven wins and ten wins per se is is not far off. I think they're going to be competitive in a lot of these games. Definitely like what I saw with Jared Goff, even playing from behind in a deficit, they kept that game close. Um, I, but, I mean, like you said, Brian, I, the only thing I'm short of anointing the Eagles as prohibitive NFC champs is the fact that I do have some questions about Jalen Hurts. I mean, they, they, they are stout on offense. They got a, a phenomenal run game. I just want to see a little bit of uh, more promise through the air with the weapons they have in Goddard, uh, you know, uh, Devontae and, um, you know, to a lesser degree, you know, some of the screen option stuff they want to do with Gainwell and Sanders. Um, I think that they could diversify some of that play call a little bit on the receiving end of things, but um, once I see that, I think a lot of that stuff will sure up and they'll be there right at the end of the year. Uh, I love this game was probably one of the most exciting games. If you had the game on from free, uh, beginning to end and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch the Eagles game next week. I think they're playing Minnesota, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a great game. So Monday night. So yep. this was quite this was this was this was quite a show, for lack of a better word. Yeah, the Commanders defeating the Jaguars twenty to twenty-two. Carson Wentz has consecutive interceptions at this game, and after that, go, scores four unanswered touchdowns, and they pull off the victory against a young Jaguars team. I mean, you literally saw Carson Wentz at one point literally throw to ghost like what is he doing mate with some of the decision making but especially the young son hero and antonio gibson um trying to be it looks like he is another one who could be a hybrid as a receiver and running back the commanders pull it off and um if carson wentz just plays like that and especially uh reduces the turnovers you know why can't this why can't this commanders team be competitive, especially under Ron Rivera, who I think played a huge role as the coach in this victory. And for the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence started his sophomore year playing. Okay. Throws a touchdown, throws a pick. Um, Travis Etney seemed to uh, the big, the big uh, draft pick in the first round. Didn't really seem to be stellar in his debut. You know, he is sharing, carries but i do think down the line he will get a bulk of them you know what are you going to do he's rookie but jaguars and commanders interesting game do you guys feel the same way (laughs) i thought i thought this game was unwatchable unfortunately uh don't really have any Mm -hmm. investment even even i there definitely was some sloppy play throughout but do you feel at least you know especially toward in the fourth quarter as they were going back and forth. Did you find that interesting at all? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, whenever, game, <laughs> whenever, game, whenever game's tighten like this around the, th- uh, the end of the fourth quarter, I, it's always exciting. Um, it was a cool comeback story for uh, the commies. Uh, that was definitely kind of cool. Um, you know, I, I, I still have the commanders around the middle of the pack, you know, regarding this division and the whole, uh, and the whole NFC, because I just have too many questions about Carson Wentz. And I think that definitely reared its ugly head at the beginning of the game. Like you said, it kind of second guessed himself, himself still seeing ghosts. Um, I think that it did the, the season's going to lie on his shoulders. And unfortunately I don't think he has uh, the fortitude to bear it, but 
I did see a lot of things I like uh, on offense that were surprising from uh, the commanders because I think that uh, they were probably, they definitely exceeded expectations um, uh, uh, in my eyes. I thought this was really like a one-man band with uh, McLaren. So that, it was nice to see other guys involved. Jags, I mean, you know, they are what they are. They're going to blow a lot of low, uh, a lot of late games. So just get used to it. <laughs> Yeah, I agree completely. They're, these teams on offense are going to go as far as the quarter, both quarterbacks. I think they're both average. I don't really see the hype in Trevor Lawrence yet um, after the college transition. Carson Wentz, you know, he's, it's Carson Wentz. But, like, they have play. you know, these are teams where after this year they might be thinking veteran quarterbacks just because of the talent that they have at the receiving core for both teams and in the running back room. You're saying – wait, can you repeat that again? Who would consider the veteran – I would say after the season, if both quarterbacks don't play as they should, you know, to the hype they have, I could see Jacksonville and the commanders looking for another veteran quarterback, you know, besides Carson Wentz or another veteran or a veteran quarterback to supplement the rookie Trevor Lawrence, because these skill positions on both teams are too good to not put up significant points, in my opinion. Yeah, Yeah, definitely Wentz is on his his last life here. On his third team, not a lot of people get to start for three different franchises. And yeah, with Trevor Lawrence, you know, this guy really did play have a really good rookie year as best as you can without being the rookie of the year in the sense that he played every game. He didn't complain. Um, Was he stellar? Was he absolutely incredible? No, but for a guy who, you know, didn't lose a a game at all in high school and college and probably Pee Wee, this guy, I think... I, I think that this is a year for Trevor Lawrence to step up. And if he doesn't, then yeah, we'll, we'll see what we're going to, we will see evaluate towards the end of the season, but he has a good coach. Um, and I think that this would be the time to uh, prove that he's got something. And um, the media isn't as hard on him as maybe some other sophomore quarterbacks, but we'll ultimately see where it goes. They've, they've, they've adjusted their expectations, the media. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> So, last game to discuss before we get into our new segment here. The Mike McDaniel era starts with a win over Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. And how can you not like their defense especially? Tua has an awesome game. The um, Has an awesome game, for instance. We have... Like I said, the defense, when your defense scores touchdowns, you can't complain there. Mac Jones, despite getting injured towards the end, did not play play well at all. The rushing game was non-existent. And, um, I mean, the Dolphins really, really looked good. And I'm just pretty impressed with what I saw. Reckon they are playing a Patriot team that seems to be on the back nine of their success, you know, if you beat Bill Belichick, you beat Bill Belichick, especially for the rookie head coach. You are as excited as I am for the Dolphins. Now, we said they could be a sleeper team moving forward, and this was a great first game to prove that. Do we feel that this is going to be a continuation moving forward for the Dolphins, or is it more of a one-off, and they got lucky? Dolphins are a playoff team, no doubt in my mind. That receiving core is too good. Yep, Tyreek uh, did. Tyreek killed it. 
Yeah, 94 yards. Waddle is ridiculous. Um, Gusecki is a top 10 tight end in my eyes. Um, you know, running back room by committee is they're the 49ers. That's a they're the 49ers with a a a little more proven Trey Lance. That's that's the way I think about it. That's really the way I think about it. Um, defense is just, just short of 300 yards. Yeah, like listen, they have potential. And uh, with the with the you know with the Patriots, uh, they're old. Like I said in the, in the in the preseason, you know, previews, the defense is old. They got exposed. Uh, Matt Jones mm-hmm. plays like a stiff board, so it makes sense that his back is fucked up. Um, and you know, we got to see what happens. You know, it's it's gonna be like a six win, five win Patriots team this year. It is what it is. When, one thing we didn't discuss in our preview, but when you have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia, two failed coaches in this league over the past couple of years leading your offense what do you expect yeah yeah i know i had great concerns with that offense uh coming out of the season um but yeah i know i liked a lot like brian said i liked a lot of things uh that miami did week one with the offense um two it looks a lot more comfortable you know under uh mike mcdaniel's roster um i like you know tyreek's explosive he's gonna be him um while looks phenomenal um I don't know. The, the energy was just better. Um, I think that there was just so much more promise in the, in the, in the stadium. Everybody seemed all, all alive and, wanted, and really wanted to, you know, root this team on. Um, it felt like a new regime was in, was in town and for all the right reasons. Uh, Gusecki, like you said, Brian, top 10 easily. Um, and I like some of the pieces that they have on, on defense. You know, again, you have to kind of grade them on a curve because they're playing an offense that, you know, can't move a dog, turn it off the field. So, um, you know, they – you have to grade them definitely um, on a curve for, for week one, but I think they'll be there right up until week 18 uh, fighting for that last playoff spot. And um, we'll have to check in mid season and see where they're at. They play happy. That's what I like. They play happy. How could you not with that awesome coach? I mean, I don't know the guy, but he just seems like he brings some good vibes and, um, you need a wheelbarrow for him. You heard exactly. You know, going on fourth down for there, as Tyreek said, you need to have bring a wheelbarrow to bring those big balls. And um, I like this new transition of coaches going on fourth down more. And this is just another example of it. And it worked out. And, I think uh, Mike McDaniel could be upgraded to uh, grill master for the parking lot too. <laughs> oh man, yeah. what a joke that turned out to be. You know, when you tailgate and you leave the stove, the grills on. What do you expect? And irresponsible people. Oh, Florida is in the building. Mm-hmm. But also real highlights: Melvin Ingram, who was picked up in the off season for the uh, Dolphins, playing an awesome linebacker, and he scored. And um, you know, the second round pick last year, and Brandon Jones gets a strip sack off of Mac, Mac Jones. Um, I mean, the Dolphins look like that they could really compete. In um, reckon and and the theme, it is the first week, a week of overreactions, but this team seems very well balanced. All right, gentlemen, we're going to start a new segment. As I mentioned to you all before, for the first time, we are introducing to you upsets, whimpers, and thrillers. So every single radio show, every single podcast, every single Sports talk show, YouTube show, the guy you talk to in your office, the guy you talk to at the construction site, the guy you talk to at the restaurant, vice versa. We 
like to make picks. We like to make predictions. And especially where more people can bet through sports books or if you have your local bookie, whatever, you want to make picks, whether the spread, whether the money line, vice versa. You know, focus here. We're going to just focus on essentially the money lines. But um, the way I thought of us making our picks going into this week, we're going to split it up into categories. And that's what it is. Upsets, whimpers and thrillers. So the three of us are going to pick a game this week that we expect to see an upset where we are going to pick the underdog to go over a huge favorite or a slight favorite or whatever. But ultimately, we're going to pick an upset. We're going to pick a whimper, a game that doesn't seem competitive, that doesn't seem interesting at all, and a game that might be flat-out boring. And it's true. Nothing is worse than a boring football game. So we could pick the winner of that boring matchup there. And then we'll pick a thriller. Two highly contested football teams, two teams we expect to play their ass off, to play their hearts out, to play blunt force football and ultimately entertain us and inspire us and bring good vibes. And we're going to pick a matchup where we think it will ultimately be a stellar, awesome game and be a thriller and be such a fun watch. So let's start this tradition. Upsets, whimpers, and thrillers. Let's start with the upsets. Gentlemen, I think the New Orleans Saints are going to upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady is only four and five against the Bucs throughout his entire career. The Saints really look like they got something going, especially having a healthy Michael Thomas. Jameis Winston doing great being both a mobile quarterback and having legit weapons. And then this defense that is almost not getting the recognition that they deserve, especially adding people to their secondary, like the honey badger. And then, you know, you have um, a stellar pass rush for that team. I think the Bucks are going to have a tough game in the Super Bowl. And I say you pick the money line and have the Saints take over Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Alex, did you have the same upset? <laughs> yeah. Because from yeah. your animated uh from your yeah. from your animated uh body uh, language right there. Yeah. Um but you know I, I haven't looked at the uh if I'm gonna have to you know pick a uh a backup on the line here. Um I'm actually gonna go with the Miami upsetting Baltimore in Baltimore. Okay. Uh, I think that um this team is, like you said, Brian, is red hot right now. Well, you guys both said for that matter. Um, they're going to ride this wave going into Baltimore. I think they have a few questions to answer for uh, the Ravens, you know, coming off of an easy win against the Jets. I think they take advantage of that uh, time off for granted uh, going home. And I think that that game is going to be really close and contested right now. To the wire. And one thing to make clear, the Buccaneers are two and a half point favorites uh, against the Saints this week. And then for Brian's upsets right here. So, and then, sorry, right here, the uh, spread is uh, three and a half point favorites for the Ravens. Yeah, three and a half. Yep. So for my upset, I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks upset the minus eight and a half 49ers. Oh, boy. Because if they could beat Denver, 
they could beat the 49ers easily. And in my eyes, and Gino, we trust right now, there's something cooking up there in that misty air of Seattle. And I think it's time that we see a little craziness with these Seattle Seahawks. Got a lot of potential on offense. The defense is young, but they look good. If they, they can game manage, they can game manage with Geno Smith and run the ball with Penny, I think they're going to make it interesting and pull off a field goal victory. All right, I respect it. I respect it. 23-20. I think you're okay. drinking that Kool-Aid, bud. <laughs> Sometimes, listen, I have basically, <laughs> as a Cowboy fan now, I have no hope. I go to the next team that has somewhat hope, and I want to see Geno Smith do well since he got punched in the face a few years back. You, you, want, you want to see NFC cannibalism. I got you. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's talk about our whimpers, games that we think are going to be boring to watch. So here's what I have for my first whimper of this season. I think the I think the Steelers and Patriots are going to be a boring game. I th- it seems that everybody else yeah. with the hands up in the air um, feels the same way. So we can all add to this conversation. For me, as the Patriots didn't could not keep up with a stellar defense in the Miami Dolphins. Can they do the same? against a Steelers team that did produce four turnovers against Joe Burrow. I just think that was a um, flu game for them. I don't think, and especially with TJ Watt being injured, this team will not exactly put produce a crazy threat against Mac Jones, who we don't know is a hundred percent healthy either. The run game doesn't look like it's anywhere close to being what it can be for the Patriots. And then when we have the Steelers who are still trying to figure out what they have uh, with their, we can see what the Steelers have with their offense. Najee Harris is injured. Uh, Mitch Trubisky didn't really impress me or doesn't seem to impress anybody in week one. And I just think that for a two teams that used to be an insane rivalry, especially in the playoffs, this is now an era where both teams are not as good as they once were. But um, it could hopefully just lead to hilarious Mike Tomlin um, sots at the end of the week. I think it's going to be a whimper this week. What do you do? You guys feel the same way from all the uh, hands up in the air and stuff like that? Definitely add to it. Exactly the same. I just don't even want to watch the game. It's a waste of their time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the only other game I would add to it. Uh, sorry, Matt, is the Giants Panthers game that just seems unwatchable on TV on paper. So. But uh, no, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think I think TJ Watt's questionable too for week for that game, right? For most of the next like two months, I think with a torn back. Yeah, yeah, that injury. yeah. that's going to be even a worse uh, defensive unit to watch as well. So. And the Patriots are two point favorites there, which I'm actually kind of surprised, but um, who cares? Yeah. So the thriller this week, I think there are more options. So my thriller this week is going to be happening on Thursday night. The Chargers and the Chiefs. An amazing way to start your Amazon Prime season. And the way this is going to work, I'll lead it this week, and then we'll have Brian and Alex, and then we will rotate throughout the next, uh, throughout the entire season. But um, after a, after Patrick Mahomes scores five touchdowns, and then Justin Herbert plays his heart out against the Raiders, I think this will be a clear 
this will really set the tone moving forward on who was the best team in this stellar division. I mean, the Chargers, especially with how good they look on the defensive side, and you have a return, you have a returning Justin Jackson coming back. Um, this is going to be a real test for Mahomes and his new receiving core, which is going to be a lot of fun there. And if their running game can continue to produce a bunch of yards and score as well, that's going to be fun as well. So ultimately, I feel this is the best matchup because it really tests who's going to be good and who's going to be bad moving forward, especially for the Chiefs, who looked so stellar against a weaker Arizona Cardinals defense. Can they do the same against what could arguably be a top five defense in the LA Chargers? I absolutely. You go. No, you and, go. And, yeah. and also the I, spread on this game, Kansas City, four point favorites. Yeah. So that, yeah. I absolutely agree. I won't even make any comments on that game. I'll say my backup, though. If you're a real football fan, like you like the X's, X's and O's, I think Washington versus Detroit might be a very football statistical like analytical if you really like the nuts and bolts of football that might be a thriller thriller in itself when with just dan campbell and ron rivera is a very like mirror like <laughs> looking at yourself in the mirror coach matchup like that is grounded football guy matchup of the week for sure yeah yeah you know what i mean like the football man's kind of game ground and pound you know there should be 40 carries combined between both teams at least uh you know a hard game physical i would expect a few injuries out of that game so that might be fun to watch wow i'm surprised you guys didn't reach for this one but uh i'm definitely i'm definitely going with the uh minnesota game. i think that one is uh the best game um of the week um i i, I would even argue chiefs chargers and the only reason i say that is not because of the matchup. It's because they're going to be playing twice a year. So I, I think the Vikings Eagle has definitely more, um, has more implications um, deep as we head into the playoffs. Cause I have both teams winning their division. And I think that there's a lot, uh, a lot of things we're going to find out about both teams and what they're, what, how good they really are in the power ranking. So, yeah. And also I forgot to mention, I think the, when it comes to the whimpers, we're going to have the Steelers win their money line. And for this, I think the Chiefs will defeat the Chargers at home for theirs. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Well, gentlemen, hell a great time as always. Give yourselves a round of applause. I will see you both next week as we cover week two of the NFL season. And we're going to have a toast up to good times ahead. Any other final words from the both of you? Pray for the Cowboys. Just hope I hope it ends quick. Gentlemen, enjoy Thursday night and let's have a great weekend. Nothing but. And you know what? Go giant to Daniel Jones. Let's get two one. That'd be great. I just have to throw that in there. All I right, gentlemen. Send Dave Ball. Come on. And Dave Ball, we trust. All right, gentlemen. I will see you next week. Have a great night. Have a good night. It was a good conversation and productive conversation. Yep, yep. Great job, Brian and Alex. Hell of a job as always. I love talking football with you guys, and I can't wait to see what more we fun we have in store. It's going to be a good time. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. 
And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod Combo Pod, we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations, and also check us out on Facebook and YouTube Shorts. So we will hear from Brian and Alex once again next week. Plus, we are now going to roll out some more incredible Productive Conversations podcasts that are not sports or NFL related. Steve Casalunas will be here on Monday, great friend of the show. Plus, we have Alex and Brian on Wednesday. So, great shows ahead. I will be recording throughout the weekend. Let's keep making big moves. Let's keep doing the right thing. And let's have a lot of fun watching football this weekend. I want to send a special, special birthday message to my mother. She will be celebrating her birthday on Saturday the 17th. Happy birthday, Mom. I love you. I mean, what an incredible woman. Goes to Vegas to celebrate her birthday in the spring. Has all her family and real friends in the world celebrate her birthday on Labor Day weekend. And now she can enjoy the day once and for all. And I hope it's a wonderful time now that her actual birthday is here. As we uh, also cheer on Tommy and the Wagner Seahawks. That's how we will celebrate her birthday this weekend. And yeah, more incredible stuff after that. Don't forget to check out on your friends and family. Two shows next week. And with all of that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. I love each and every single one of you. The Productive Nation is king and queen and all in between. And most importantly, the greatest fan base in the world. I will see you next week with two shows and more after that. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Peace.